Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Sylvia F., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Northern California. Today is Wednesday, September 27th. Today we are reading from the Big Book, and we are on page 151, the third paragraph in the fourth edition. The, the paragraph is The Less People Tolerated Us. Today's, uh, today's readers are Jody E.Q. on the 12 Steps, Carrie S. on the 12 Traditions, Penny L.C., Sherry K.B., and Kathy Jo P. as readers of the text, and our newcomer greeter at the end of the hour is Melanie C. The reference number for Tuesday, September 26, 10 a.m., is 10476, 10476. And the reference number for this morning's 7 a.m. meeting, uh, East, East, Eastern Time, is 10478, 10478. Our preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We're self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Jody E.Q. to read the 12 steps. Jody. Good morning, everybody. This is Jody E.Q., gratefully recovered in California. The 12 Steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe in a power greater than ourselves. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all our defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to other compulsive eaters 
and to practice these principles in all our affairs. I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Jody E.Q. I will now ask Carrie S. to read the 12 Traditions. Good morning, everyone. This is Carrie S. in Colorado, gratefully recovered. The 12 Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirements for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all of these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for allowing me to do service and I pass. Thank you, Carrie S. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the book book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except for the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 151, the third paragraph in the fourth edition. And it starts with the less people tolerated us and we are going to read one paragraph only. And I would now uh, like to ask Penny LC to read that, uh, to begin that reading. Good morning, Sylvia. And good morning, everyone on the line. This is Penny L.C., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater from the state of Washington. The less people tolerated us, the more we withdrew from society, from life itself. As we became subjects of king alcohol, shivering denizens of his mad realm, the chilling vapor that his loneliness settled down. It thickened. It became ever becoming blacker 
Some of us sought out sordid places, hoping to find understanding, companionship, and approval. Momentarily, we did. Then would come oblivion and the awful awakening to face the the hideous four horsemen, terror, bewilderment, frustration, despair. Unhappy drinkers who read this page will understand. And what a very dramatic uh, phrasing and choice of uh, picture is that's painted for us. And um, and yet I know that that's just about how dramatic my disease got to the point where I nothing was nothing was um, uh, nothing was as I wanted it. That's for darn sure. Um, And when it talks about the less people tolerated us, actually, I always think also about the more people commented or criticized um, or suggested, you know, why don't I? How come I can't um, just, you know, not eat as much? Well, those those comments were, um, you know, partly that and my own shame, what withdrew me. And I just wanted to be alone. And that was the irony of it. I had loneliness, but I just wanted to be alone. And and yes, my world became very much a dark place. I was a prisoner to my binge foods. Um, I didn't seek out sorted places except my living room with hope, you know, the curtains drawn and and the door locked and not answering the door or the phone and surrounded by bags, boxes, cartons, etc. Wanting just to be left alone with my food and the misery that that was. And I remember all kinds of contradictions around that, you know, not wanting to be there and yet wanting to be there. Not wanting to be in my disease and yet wanting more food. And feeling so trapped and so cornered and yet in denial, just trying not to think about my disease and just having that next bite. And I was a very unhappy, miserable person. And um, it was a dismal existence. But I appreciate that this picture can be painted and I can recall that truth so that I can realize there's, there is a solution, there was a solution for me, and I'm grateful to be living in that solution one day at a time. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Penny LC. I will now open it up for um, shares who would like to start the list. Who's ready to rock and roll here? This is Kathy Jopin. Okay, I've got Katrine H. H. Uh, Christy. Okay, I have Kathy uh, Jopin. And I have Katrina H. And there was someone between. Christy G. Christy G. 
and Allie, is that? Yeah, yeah, Allie M. Allie M. And then there was just someone else? Lessie C. Lessie? Lessie, yes. Okay. Lessie C. And then I can take one more? Anybody? Okay. Kathy Jo P, Christy M, Katrina H, Allie M, Lessie C. I might have butchered some of the names. We'll get it straightened out when we start. Kathy Jo P, followed by Christy, Christy M. Hi, it's Kathy Jo P, a recovered compulsive overeater in Minneapolis. And I can hear someone's car beeping, car door. Okay. Can I be heard? Yes, you can. Okay. Um, I want to say sometimes when we pray at a meeting, we pray for those compulsive overeaters that are still suffering inside and outside of the rooms. And I was one that was sitting inside the room with people alone in my head, alone with my disease, alone with my character defects, and alone with my food, not willing to do the surrender, not willing to do the work. And I can say that since my day of surrendering, June 26, a year ago, I no longer feel that loneliness and that isolation that comes from this disease. Um, I was afraid. I was frustrated. I was extremely unhappy. And every day when I went to bed, I vowed that I would do things differently so that I could not be this way. And that way was feeling like a person that was fat and bad. And it was terrible. It was horrible. I felt so alone and so broken. And I thank God that when I reached out to someone who lived this program and I talked to her, that she led me to the book. And she led me to look at how I can surrender and how I can do work so that God can work in me. And I am so happy that I am no longer in that black room. It thickened, ever becoming blacker. And it did become blacker. The hope became skinnier and skinnier and skinnier as I was more and more in the putrid disease. And I did the work. I had 61 amends, and I did every single one of them. And I can look at people today and say I'm living this program 100%. I I said this recently. I was not half-assed. I was a third-assed. And I am 100% asked. And if I do mess up in a day, whether it's an amend or not take my prayer time or not do my service, I'm back at it the next day, 100% committed each day to clean house, to 
do the recovery and to be of service. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Kathy Jo P. Chrissy G. followed by Katrine H. Thank you. Hi, yes, it's Chrissy G. Recovered Compulsive Overeater and Anorexic from New Jersey. And this, um, these words perfectly describe the pit of this disease that someone can fall into and feel so trapped, you know, just, I mean, it's exactly like a pit because I can, I can hear everything going on. Um, it's like being in a hole and like in New York city and the rest of the world is just passing overhead and I can hear them and I'm, I'm screaming and yelling and they can't hear me. You know, that's, that's how it felt. That's how it felt to be in this disease. And and especially how it felt to be in this disease when I was trying to work this program. I was in another 12-step program for many years and not really doing doing the work as it's written in the big book. And I I for me it was it was even worse because I I thought I was doing what I was supposed to in AA the meetings that I went to we mostly read the 12 Steps in the Twelve Traditions book of um, that light blue book, but the big book I mostly just really read the stories and I read all of the book, but I didn't follow the instructions that are in the book. And for me, that's definitely you know the the steps are there. It's a it's a whole ladder to climb up and out of the hole. And the thing is that you know I do need to have someone to continue with that analogy, I need to have someone, um, a step guide, pull that ladder down for me and, and give me, give me a hand up because that, that's the whole thing with these, with these feelings and this, this, um, being stuck and being in the pit of this disease, there's nothing that's going to, there's nothing that's going to change it. I'm not going to find any creative ways to pull myself out of this. I need help from a power greater than myself. And at first that's the steps and this program and the people in it. And I, I have to rely on them completely in order to get myself out. I don't have any other choice. I'm in a hole with nowhere to go. And that's the best place to be in this program when you first come in is to feel like you have nowhere else to go and that, you know, you'll do anything and you're desperate for change. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Chrissy G. Katrine H. followed by Allie M. This is Katrine H. Can I be heard? Yes, thank you. Um, good morning, everybody, and thank you for to everyone who keeps this meeting alive and going and does the work of keeping the meeting here for us. And um, let's see, I am, oh boy, so I'm, what's today? Today's Wednesday, so I'm maybe like 10 days abstinent today, which is a miracle, honestly, a, a miracle. And I can totally relate to this reading, and sometimes it just amazes me. I know this sounds crazy, but it amazes me how well the people who wrote the big book know the disease and their articulation about how it works just is is amazing to me that they they really get it 
and they had to have lived it to get it because they couldn't get it at that level had they not lived it. And so anyway, for me, isolation, you know, I've been in OA for, I don't know exactly how long, but I would say off and on for at least 10 years. And I am so grateful to one of the women who hung in there with me and tried to help me become abstinent and never was able to because, of course, she couldn't do that. And, um, but she helped me and she didn't give up on me. And, you know, my shame of having the disease and my stomach getting bigger and my weight growing and, um, the fact that I couldn't seem to put down the food and, um, all of that was just growing and growing and growing and growing. And, um, as it did, I think I, I isolated myself without really, knowing it, but certainly at least for the last several years have been far from happy. And I'm terrified that I will lose my abstinence and um, that it won't last and I won't be able to, to maintain it, which is partly what has me on the meetings every single day. And um, But I am so grateful that the feeling that I have that I'm not lying to myself and I'm not cheating, you know, on my food plan and I'm not lying to my sponsor and I'm, and, and I'm not, you know, like in agony, like my vision of abstinence was agony. And I, I, you know, frankly, I had no idea what abstinence was because I'd never achieved it or I'd never was given it because I don't believe I achieved it. I believe that through the grace of God and through surrendering at the convention and hearing particularly one speaker that just got me to the point of surrender that I was able to allow God to assist me. And I am so, so, so grateful. And I hope I'm doing an okay job of sharing on topic. And with that, I will pass. And everyone have a wonderful day. Thank you, Katrine H. Allie M., followed by uh, Leslie C. Leslie C. Good morning. Thank you so much. This is Allie M. from Bellingham, Washington. Um, I'm really glad that we're in the chapter of vision for you. And so I'm looking at, okay, what, what is this vision that they have for us in this chapter? Um, and this paragraph is telling me, you know, that this is a disease of isolation, that we, we withdrew from society, from life itself. And um, this was my experience. I, in my disease, I was a denizen of King Alcohol's Mad Realm. Um, and I looked up that word denizen. It means an occupant or inhabitant, you know, um, uh, of a certain place. And that's what it was. Um, this describing, this is describing the place that I lived in my disease, um, but that was a place that I took with me. Uh, because it was a state of mind, and um, and I was, you know, hoping to find understanding, companionship, and approval in the food, you know, taking this black cloud with me, and I never really found it. Um, but yesterday I was sitting with a normal eater, and, and we were sharing, you know, what our passions are in life, and, and I told her about my program, and I told her a little bit about 
you know, what it's like and why it's so important to me to carry this message of recovery to people who are still sick. And um, and she asked me if there was any way I, that she could help. And, and um, you know, I told her that it's hard to see, you know, it's an invisible disease. And she asked me some questions about what it was like for me. And I told her about my physical and emotional experience. And I told her that it is the pain that we feel inside. It's in, It's the inside that is really the illness. It's not just um, the physical part. And she said, well, how can I tell? How can I find these people that need help? And I said, you know, I I know how to find them because I see it. I can see that look of pain on their face, and I can see that, that, um, that attempt to find what it is we're looking for. I can see it in people. And I told her, you know, it's it's really hard to tell if you haven't had this. And so that's what this, what the instructions that this paragraph is telling me is that um, at the very end, unhappy drinkers who read this page will understand. You know, I'm the one who understands this. We are the ones who understand what this is like. And so that's why we are the only ones that can help the other people who have experienced this. And when we find this companionship and approval in those who share this disease, it's it's a miracle. It's like nothing else. Um, so so grateful that I've found this. Um, thank you for for those that carried the message to me, and thank you all for being here this morning. I pass. Thank you, Allie M. Leslie C. May I be heard? Yes. Good morning. My name is Leslie C. from Southern California, and um first time I've shared at a meeting. So less people tolerated us. You know, I couldn't stand myself when I was being so selfish um, and binging and binging and binging. I was um, my mom's longtime caregiver, and, and I loved her, and she loved me. And uh, But there were times when she got in the way between me and my food, and that was a pretty uh, dangerous place to be, even for someone I love dearly. And um, I'll tell you, uh, I hadn't had sugar, hadn't had candy in 10 years, and uh, some crazy thought back in April made me think I could have a piece of wedding cake. And within two days, I um, was buying $14 Costco-sized bags of candy. And uh, before I knew it, um, I was visiting my brother who's suffering from a fatal uh, disease. And I go there to be of service to him and his wife. And this visit was a disaster. It was bewildering to me how um, unhelpful I was and how much I got in their way in a really rough time. Um, you know, so this, this paragraph is dramatic um, because it life matters. It's the only one I have. It's dramatic because uh, my disease wants to kill me. Inside of me weighs a thousand pound woman, you know, who once she dies, they're going to cut open the side of her house to get her body out. Um, my weight swings hundreds of pounds. And, um, and, uh, but the last sentence, the last sentence, unhappy drinkers who read this page will understand. And uh, even though they're talking about the unhappy drinkers and not the people who um, 
abstain happily, that's where I find hope. You know, that's because there are other people like me who understand. Um, so I uh, went to the convention and I gave up candy uh, on the 13th, the Wednesday before, and um, I've been out of it since then. Um, I'm looking for a visionary to lead me through the steps quickly. Um, and uh, I'm very grateful for this meeting. I'm very grateful for all of you who do service. And um, with that, I pass. Thank you, Bessie C. And please stick around for the end of the meeting after the recording where we, uh, where we announce ourselves. Okay, I'm ready to take another list of people who'd like to share. Ori B. Los Angeles. I'm I'm sorry, Lori. Uh, O'Ray. O'Ray B. O'Ray B. Okay, who else? Jody. Johnny B. Johnny K. B. Sue G. Okay. Uh, okay, so I missed someone in there. I've got O'Ray B, I've got Shawnee B, I've got John K, Sherry K B. There was someone else in there. Sue T. Okay, I got Sue G, and and then there was someone else. Christy G. Hey, Chrissy G, gotcha. <laughs> Did I miss anyone else? Eric K. Uh, Eric K. I'll forget you. Uh, no, like, spell it for me. Let me get you. I want. I want to hear from you. Oh, Derek K. I got you, Derek K. And I think you were first. So we're going to try that. <laughs> so I've got Derek K, Shawnee B, John K, Sue G, Sherry K B, Chrissy G and Eric. I'm not sure about that last one. Derek, if you're there, can you get on? I'll give you one more one more second, Derek, if you could get on to share. Nice. We'll see if uh, Derek comes back on. Sylvia, I'm this Charles is. I think the guy's name was Ore from LA. Oh, Ray from L.A., are you there? Yes, I'm here. Thank you. Sorry that I'm making a mess of names today. Doing my best. No, I understand. Go ahead. Oh, Ray. Uh, so I think just reading this, um, it's taking me back to um, just over 14 months of food sobriety. And... Um, this is really putting me back in that place of where I was just over 14 months ago. And when it talks about the loneliness, I couldn't leave my house anymore. People would come by my house and I would pretend I wasn't there, even though my car was out front. Uh, family would come by. I wouldn't answer the door. People would call. People stopped calling because I became a shut-in. When it talks about the terror and the bewilderment, and the frustration and despair and unhappiness that was my day in day in, that was daily my daily life and i th- i think the 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 part that really um 
is sad about that is I was convinced that I wanted that. And that's a terrible place to be when it talks about the insanity and when it talks about how this is a mental illness. I really understand that now um, because I was convinced that that's the life that I wanted. That was the best that I, that I, could, that I could envision for myself at that time. And I had surrendered to that life. And that was my bottom. And it's only by God's grace and the work of this this program that um, I'm not there today. I don't want to be lonely again. I don't want to be a shut-in again and not showing up for life. And today is a different day. I don't I don't deal with the the four horsemen anymore. That's not my daily life. And uh, I'm just I just want to pitch some gratitude and thank you. That's it. Thank you, O'Ray, very much for uh, your patience. Shawnee B, followed by John K. Hi, thank you so much. This is Shawnee B, grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater from Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Um, thank you for everyone who makes this meeting possible, and thanks for all your service. Um, I'm going to comment on this, um, this part as we became subjects of king alcohol. And that's what the food became for me. It was my king. It was my higher power. Um, I would make decisions on where I would go and what I would do um, solely because of food choices that would be at certain social functions or not be at certain social functions. I only went places because I wanted to know, you know, I wanted to have what food was going to be there. And, you know, living, living off of a power of such a negative power, a power that is trying to kill me, a power that is trying to bring me down is no way of living. That's not called living. That's not a life. And, you know, today I have, I have another king and my king is an all powerful, all loving, higher power that, that can, you know, make my life better. The, a, a higher power that wants to kill me is not a higher power that I want to have. And, you know, withdrawing from society for me, especially with the food and the, and you know, what happens when we eat so much, we, um, you know, I, I was gaining weight rapidly. Clothing didn't fit me. I didn't have anything in my closet that looked respectable or not respectable. I didn't have anything to wear and I couldn't go places. I couldn't go to social functions. I couldn't go to synagogue. It was, it was mortifying and, um, and depressing. And I would just sit and wallow in my self-pity that the food brought on and, you know, I don't have to live like that anymore. I have a higher power now that is, um, that, that helps me and, and takes me by the hand and lovingly guides me. And I don't have to, I don't have to worship King Alcohol anymore. And I'm forever grateful. Thank you for letting me share. I pass. Thank you, Shawnee B. John K. followed by Suji. Hey, this is uh, John Kieran, Recovered Compulsive Eater in Los Angeles. You know, it talks about withdrew. I know for me, especially, I have a couple of these addictive diseases, but I, I got to tell you, when it comes to isolation, that's where the food really dominated. You know, I really believe they talk about it being a disease of isolation, and it is in a lot of the diseases, but with food, it, wow, it was, you know, turn, you know, turn the TV on, close the blinds, unplug the phone, leave me alone, you know. And, you know, like I said, I think it, it happens with alcoholics, 
but it's a core part of my eating disease. Um, you know, we withdraw as the reading says, my world, you know, kept getting smaller and smaller and smaller, you know. It talks about hoping to find companionship, but not me. You know, the only people I want to be around are Ben and Jerry, <laughs> you know. Uh, I would get invited to do things, and, and whenever I could, I'd find a reason. To, oh, I can't. I'm not going to invite to something else or, you know, whatever I could come up with. And if, you know, the, the few times I had to go to things, man, especially parties, man, I, I, I'd plant myself near the food table if they had it. And at least this way, uh, you know, I could ease some of that total, you know, unease I had about being around people, you know. And, and if I had to go somewhere with people and it involved a full meal, well, I certainly never ate the way I wanted to eat, you know. I mean, you, you know, you could, if I was in a restaurant, I could just, I'd be, oh, man, I'd like to have that and that and that, and I would, I would eat, you know, to try and fit in and be normal, you know. And and so, like, a lot of times if I went out with people that got invited to do things, that, that meal was really just an appetizer until I could get home, you know. And, uh, you know, the idea of things becoming blacker, man, there was such a cloud over my head all the time, you know, if you could see the world the way I saw it, you'd eat too, you know, I this this horrible attitude about life, you know, and, and one of the things I didn't understand physically is, you know, I ate, I ate things that eased my anxiety, but when I used them to excess, they, they really became a depressant, you know, um, a friend of mine I, I know says, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not as much afraid of dying of this disease as I am of, um, living the life of the living dead and, and that's what this disease did you know uh i would get up i'd go to work i'd come home close the blinds eat my food watch my tv uh go to bed get up and do it all again you know that 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 world is so small and and it, yet it, it is actually a bigger world and but the only way to get to that bigger world is to start to lift that cloud and you know putting the food down obviously the first part but then to find a way to change my attitude so it wasn't such a horrible world that I would want to drink or drug or eat and that was what steps in the big book did I remember I was I, you know I remember talking to somebody new program and I was telling them when I felt the world was lousy and it was a horrible place and he looked at me and said, well, was there ever a time in your life where you felt like life was a good place and the world was fun? And he, I said, well, yeah, maybe like when I was five. And I'll wrap up. Um, he said, I said, like when I was five. And he looked at me and he just said, okay, so how do you think the world changed? And I realized he was right. I changed. And thanks to program, I was able to change back. And it just involves keep doing this work. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, John Kay. Sue G. Followed by Sherry KB. Good morning. This is Suji from Michigan, recovered by the grace of God. Um, I. It wasn't until after I um, was in program and had a meeting to go to and had a sponsor and lost the weight that I started going because I didn't get the attention at home, I thought I'd get some attention maybe by losing the weight. And because I didn't, I I started going to places that weren't uh, lured, or they weren't sorted, but but they weren't my normal type of places to go, like to do country western dance and things like that. And I started getting a lot of attention. And I slowly started, and then I didn't have any meeting to go to, but I was trying to work the program at home. 
So it wasn't until I started to realize my four horsemen actually came with uh, being out in the world and getting all this attention that I thought I wanted. It wasn't the answer at all. And so I ran back home and pretty much then my isolation hit. Because now not only did I have the weight off, but I didn't have a program. I didn't have a sponsor. I was only doing whatever books I could find on 12 Steps. Until I finally found out about, first with online meetings, and then I found out, found out, um, and then that fell apart. And it was a very lonely place to be uh, without fellowship. Um, and then, and then I was given a card about vision. Back then, it was a coffee house, but I didn't, I didn't go because I was afraid I'd break the phone or I'd break the meeting or something if I tried doing that. But when I finally got the nerve up and I went out of desperation. I started to release the weight, got a good sponsor, and um, those four horsemen started to go away. And um, I do understand because I was an unhappy eater. And so I do understand what this page is saying. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sue G. Sherry KB, followed by Chrissy G. Good morning, Sylvia. Good morning, everybody. Sherry KB in Northern California, Grateful Recovery Compulsive Reader. Thank you so much for your service and everyone on the line, Sylvia. Sorry, my cat's yelling. I hope you don't hear him in the background. Sorry. Um, okay, so what came up for me is I, I always like looking up words and what they mean because I have my own idea of what they mean, and then I look them up, and they kind of surprise me. So I looked up the, the four horsemen, terror, bewilderment, frustration, despair, and what really jumped out at me was frustration, a deep chronic sense of state of insecurity and dissatisfaction arising from unresolved problems or unfulfilled needs. And you know what? That described me to a T when I would go um, to be with King Alcohol or King Food um, because I used to draw the drapes. I was dissatisfied um, with what was going on with my life, dissatisfied with myself. I withdrew from life. I withdrew from people. Um, I was a very social person, but when I was in the food, I didn't want anything to do with anybody but the food. And it was like I took a lever or something, and uh, and I ate my way through all all the, the four horsemen, the terror, the bewilderment, the frustration, the despair. And even, you know, when I would lose weight because then that would be my answer. My answer was always if I just lost weight, you know, I'd feel better and my life would be okay. And I totally bought that lie for so many years. And I would lose the weight and I'd keep it off for a while. But then, you know, because I wasn't recovered, I would end up back in the food and and back miserable and then just keep doing that vicious circle all the time until, you know, until I really got into getting recovered by being in this book and it really changed my life and you know they say you can be abstinent and not be recovered and for me being recovered means that I went through these 12 steps that I got recovered that my higher power removed my mental obsession and that um, 
you know, I'm free from this disease as far as recovered but not cured. And what a difference it is. And even when I have hard times now with life, I know what to do with them because I have a skill set that helps me get through it with my higher power's help, of course. And that's what makes such the difference that I don't have to live like this anymore. This, I mean, reading this makes me very sad, but on the other hand, it's important for me to remember where I was, where I had been, and where I never want to go back to. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sherry KB. Chrissy G? Hi, this is Christy G. Not Chrissy That's G. Um, Thank you. Hi. Um, and I am normal. I live in Southern California, but we're on the East Coast this week, so I'm very happy to be on the line and share. It's going to be a quick share, um, but I just wanted to thank you guys for um, always doing a great meeting. I usually listen to the recordings, and so it's great to be in your time zone so I can actually be on live. But um, I am just so thankful for being in recovery and so thankful for the big book and for these readings every um, weekday morning and then um, Sunday edition. And um, I just wanted to say that I am so thankful for the program and um, grateful for these words because I was lost. I was stuck in um, a very bad place and um, I had struggled my whole life with um, my obesity and decided after failed diet, after failed diet, I would go and have bariatric surgery. And then once I did that, I knew it wasn't um, a solution to everything, but I thought it was just a kickstart. And it was, and I'm very thankful for doing that. However, um, I needed to find a way earlier this year in, in order to find recovery because the obsession wasn't leaving. And so um, just like they say, king alcohol, king food for us, is um is really strong and it and it shows its um you know its face in in everything and even if you can't you know fill your stomach like I can't fill my stomach because I have a tiny stomach now um you could still have the obsession of the mind and and thinking about foods that you can't have and you know being upset by that and trying to control everything and um coming to OA and and this you know wonderful big book study has helped me to realize that um I don't have control of everything and I need to stop trying to control everything that God's got that. So with that, I will pass. Thank you for your service. Thank you so much, Christy G. I can probably, I, I can fit one more person in. Do I have someone else who would like to share? Penny C. Penny C. From Minnesota. And who is it from Minnesota? Denise M. Denise M., I don't know that we'll get time to you, but I've got you on the list if we can. So, Penny C., go ahead. You know, Sylvia, I'm going to let the other person share, please. Okay. Denise M., go for it. You'll close this out today. Thank you, Penny. Yes. Yes. Good morning. Denise M. from Minnesota. Can I be heard? Yes. Okay. I want to comment on the first sentence. The less people tolerated us, the more we withdrew from society, from life itself. That is so true for me. When I was in the food... I became um, very uncomfortable and anxious around people, even my family. Isolation was my life. But today, I not only feel normal around people, I feel like I belong, I feel confident, but I also want to be around people, and I look forward to it. And this is definitely a miracle and a promise come true for me. What is also a blessing 
is because I am so much better and pleasant to be around. People around me can be themselves and comfortable and be the people that God intended them to be and um, give them a chance to shine. So that, for me, is, is a blessing and a promise come true. So with that, I pass. Well, thank you, Denise M. Penny C., are you still there? Can you get on and close us out? Yes, thank you. I didn't know the be, be time. Um, yes, we've got two minutes, so thank you. Okay, please time me, Sylvia. I, I've got My name time. is Penny C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from the Boston area. And, you know, I've been listening to the meetings today, and, and um, you know, this says a vision for you, and we're starting with all the the, the um, difficulties, and it's uh, not not always a pretty picture, but I think for me it's wonderful that we're starting this way because the big book and 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 um, you know the whole philosophy of this program is to get us to um, philosophy is not the right word, but we're trying to get people to identify, to be able to see that they too had these same same bewilderments and the four horsemen you know were 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 ruling their lives and and what we need to wait for are the wonderful pages coming up that are going to tell us about the transformation about the spiritual awakening and if i had you know time i would tell you some of some of the places i've been and now for so many years thanks to my higher power, God, to the program of, of recovery in the big book, you know, I can live, even through many difficulties, I can still, I can still live happy, joyous, and free. And I just, I'm so grateful to everyone who's on the line every day, to all the people who even just listen. It's exciting to know that, you know, at 7 o'clock meeting, there were way over 300 people and that doesn't count who listens to the recordings. So, um, you know, as Holland says, this meeting is a renaissance in a way. And I've seen that because I've been in many years and I see what's happening. So with that, I'm going to pass. Thank you. Perfect timing, Penny. Thank you. So thank you for everyone who shared. And thank all of you for your patience in my hearing your name. And we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. And I will now ask Sherry KB to read Our a vision for you. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Grant, Ask him in your morning meditation what you can still do for each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.